Welcome to St. Louis on the Air. I'm Sarah Funsky. A St. Louis-based company has pioneered a drug that could treat COVID-19. It's called ATI-450, and it starts human trials in just two weeks. So how does this drug work, and what does it mean to be in human trials anyway? My guest today has all the answers. Joe Monahan is the Executive Vice President of Research and Development for Confluence Discovery Technology, which is part of Aclaris Therapeutics, and he joins us today. So Joe Monahan, welcome to the show. Thanks, Sarah. Good to be here. So tell us about this drug. What does ATI-450 do? So um, with COVID-19, as you know, it's a respiratory illness that results from an infection by the uh, novel coronavirus, SARS-CoV-2, mm-hmm. that progresses particularly in people with pre-existing conditions to pneumonia and a condition called acute respiratory distress syndrome, or ARDS, that could require mechanical ventilation and may lead to death in a, in a subset of patients. Mm-hmm. This progression to ARDS is thought to be a result of a hyperactive immune response to the virus and leads to an uncontrolled inflammatory state in the lungs. And this inflammation is driven in large part by a certain class of proteins released from immune cells called cytokines. And this is called cytokine storm. So what our drug ATI-450 does is we block cytokines that are important in this cytokine storm. And in so doing, we believe that we would reduce the uh, ARDS observed in these patients and reduce the need for mechanical ventilation, decrease the hospital stay, and reduce the mortality. So these cytokine storms, um, to put this in terms of somebody who knows nothing about science, this is kind of the body thinking it's fighting the coronavirus, ends up attacking itself instead. How does a drug even begin to disrupt something like that? So the the key to this drug is that um, it it intercepts an intracellular pathway in a number of cells, and this intracellular pathway is the pathway that is responsible for making these cytokines. Mm. So if you can block this pathway, you'll block the ability of the cells to produce the cytokines. And we've shown in, uh, in cells, in human cells, in animals, and we've shown in people now, that if you do treat them with this drug, you can reduce the cytokines that are important in the cytokine storm because you stop them from being produced. Hmm. So it makes sense. Um, I guess what's fascinating is that you're here so quickly. What had you originally developed this drug for? Yeah, so we, we started on this drug. It was actually um, one of the first things that we did when we founded Confluence in 2010 is we started on this particular target. This drug, ATI-450, was first um, made in about the 2013 time frame. And what, we're, what we were looking at this drug to do is to treat autoimmune diseases, and in particular, initially, rheumatoid arthritis. And so we've gone through all the preclinical work. We have an open IND for rheumatoid arthritis. We went through phase one studies already, which test the safety and tolerability of the drug. And that all came through really uh, with flying colors. And we're actually in a phase two rheumatoid arthritis study. And that started earlier in the year. But when we saw that um, what was happening with COVID, you know, back in January and February, and we started to think about the possibility of both COVID uh, being driven by the cytokine storm in the lung Mm -hmm. and RA being driven by similar cytokines upregulated in the joint, 
uh, we thought maybe we could do some quick studies in the laboratory to validate that ATI-450 may have an impact on these cytokines in the lung, and in particular, things that are driven by the SARS-CoV-2. So you realize there might be some utility here. That's got to be, I feel like all scientists dream of this, that the thing that they're working on just happens to have utility for this problem that's sweeping the globe. Were you thinking, this is too good to be true. This might actually not work on this coronavirus. Yeah, you know, it was it was uh, the right place at the right time because this drug, as I said, already completed the phase one studies, and so we already had a phase two study underway. So we, it was a perfect timing for uh, looking at this and other indications to look at efficacy. And and the COVID nineteen came about, um, and we just started talking about the possibilities. Decided, let's go for it, and. Um, did some in you know did some studies in the laboratories and everything panned out <laughs> because in addition to regulating the, the cytokine production it turns out that this particular pathway also may be involved in viral replication and also may be involved in some downstream effects on pulmonary fibrosis that could come out of pa- patients that actually survive covid-19 they go on to develop this pulmonary fibrosis so there's actually three different areas that ATI450 could impact COVID-19, but predominantly it's, it's around the cytokine storm. Hmm. So that's pretty exciting stuff. Um, you start to do these studies in the laboratory. I imagine that that's probably happening right as everybody's being told you need to work from home. Did that add a layer of complication that you're trying not to breathe on each other at the same time you're doing this really critical work? Yeah, so it was we we ended up um, being uh, exempt as a critical business because we're doing pharmaceutical research. Sure, um, and we have this you know th- th- fortunate to have this really talented, dedicated scientific team who, despite the fact that we had to practice social distancing, enhancing our PPE policy move into shift work to minimize the number of people that were in the lab at any one time, go seven days a week. The fact that they were doing something that could potentially impact this pandemic, um, it was amazing the amount of work that we got done and then they got done in a short period of time Hmm. that really solidified the case that ATI 450 really has potential in this disease. Man, so that just sounds so exciting. This is almost like a scene from a movie. These guys work in seven days a week, and then you get the results you want. Um, You're about to launch these these human trials. That's got to be a hard threshold to hit to say, we're going to actually try this on people. Um, What led you to, to realize, hey, we're ready for this? Yeah, so as I mentioned, we were able to, uh, back in, in 2019, we were able to uh, open an IND with the FDA to test this drug in normal volunteers. Mm-hmm. And so that's a phase one study where you just look at uh, the safety of the drug and how much you have to give people. Um, and um, that, again, those studies came through really positively. It was very safe. Um, we were able to get certain dosage. It's an orally dosed drug that you take once or twice a day. Um, and having that data in hand allowed us to move into the phase two study, as I said, in, in rheumatoid arthritis. Mm-hmm. Now, with COVID, um, the FDA has some accelerators that they, that they do have used to review applications for INDs for this disease because of the situation that we're in. So we actually partnered with um, physicians out at um, Kansas University Medical Center, uh, Dr. Greg Gann and Dr. Deepika Polanini. Um, and they're actually um, running this study as an investigator-initiated study that we're supporting. 
And so they had a very, very much of an interest in this particular target and this compound. We had been in interactions with them prior to this pandemic. Um, and together, it just seemed like it was the right thing to do at the right time. And they were excited about it. And so uh, together, we put in the, the application um, that they authored uh, for the IND to the FDA. And after a couple of months of negotiation, just last week, the FDA approved it, so we're ready to go. That's pretty exciting. Now, I understand you're going to have 36 patients in this, um, and these are people who are already uh, pretty ill from COVID-19. Is that right? Right. So it'll be 36 uh, patients with uh, confirmed COVID-19 positive who were hospitalized and um, are not necessarily um, in the ICU yet, but um, they're moving toward that. So they, it looks like they're on the verge of having the cytokine storm where their oxygen levels are starting to fall. Uh, they're not yet being ventilated, but they're, in, they're, they're moving towards that. And that's where we want to try to intervene and to look at the ability to stop the progression to decrease the percentage of patients that move on to mechanical ventilation, that move into the ICU, uh, that um, uh, make sure we can stop the oxygen level from decreasing and decrease the mortality as well. And how soon do you think you'll have a sense of whether or not this trial is giving you the results that you need? So it's going to be, it's a, it's a placebo-controlled uh, double-blind study. Um, and it's in two weeks in duration for each patient. So each patient will get the drug for two weeks, and then there'll be a two-week additional follow-up period for each patient without drug. Um, and we hope to have the study started within a couple of weeks, uh, where the first patient would be dosed at that point. And the total recruitment is going to, in, in part, depend on uh, the, the trajectory of the pandemic mm -hmm. in the particular area. So. It, it, are we going to see a lot of, of cases come into the hospital? And what we have set up is in the event that um, the in, in Kansas City area, Kansas City, Kansas, that um, the pandemic starts to decrease, um, we have set up uh, several other hospitals around the country where we can expand uh, into those hospitals to get more patients to try to get this study complete it as quickly as we can and get the results as quickly as we can so that if it is positive, we can go into more patients uh, more broadly. Okay. And so then would it be a period of just continued testing, giving it to more and more patients? Or is there some point in the next year in which this could be something available commercially? Yeah, so what we would do is we would complete this study and we would hope to have this study completed this year. And if this study looks positive, we would then go into a bigger study uh, with more patients, you know, 10 times or so the amount of patients and, um, and see if we can get efficacy more broadly. Mm -hmm. um, typically, when you have a drug at this stage of development in phase 2A, which is where we are, uh, like for rheumatoid arthritis, it would be anywhere from three to six years from this point to getting it registered with the FDA and on the market. I think there are potential um, accelerators in place for COVID-19 and to use potential, potentially use drug in an emergency situation. And so we haven't investigated that thoroughly, but I think if this works, 
uh, really well in the disease and we expand it to more people and it continues to work, I think there's an opportunity to really shorten those timelines. Boy, that's, uh, that's really exciting. And I can see how um, people might want to relax some of these, make it just a little bit easier to get these drugs out there. Uh, people need them so much right now if this ends up working. So this has got to feel so exciting. This company, you guys founded it 10 years ago. Uh, this goes back to a time when most St. Louisans were not bragging about our biotech space. What led you to start this company? here in St. Louis? Yeah, so um, I, I, I spent 28 years at Pfizer um, and legacy companies, Searle and Pharmacia. Um, and in 2010, Pfizer bought Wyeth and decided to consolidate their R&D in Cambridge, Massachusetts. Prior to that, the R&D headquarters for inflammation immunology was in St. Louis. Hmm. And so a group of us made the decision that uh, we weren't really interested in moving to the Boston area and we want to continue to work here. And we had uh, maybe some uh, different ideas on how to do drug discovery that we had not been able to do while at Pfizer. And so we had, the, we had some ideas. Um, we had some really bright people that uh, had a lot of experience. And we had sort of a, uh, the initiation of uh, the biogenerator and bioSTL and all that came together um, uh, to a point where we have we got a lot of support from bioSTL and the biogenerator, uh, both with uh, developing business plans because we were just a bunch of scientists that were interested in doing this. We didn't have a lot of business background support, and we've worked very closely with the biogenerator and bioSTL over the past ten years and continue to work closely with them. But we were one of the first, we were the first uh, occupant of the Biogenerator Accelerator Labs, and now there are probably 100 companies that uh, have called that their home or are calling that their home. And the, the biotech industry in St. Louis has just uh, ex exploded in the past 10 years. Boy, it really and it, has, it, and, and it's just great to see all of that bearing fruit and, and possibly bearing fruit in this pandemic. So uh, Joe Monahan, Executive Vice President of Research and Development for Confluence Discovery Technology, thank you for joining us today. Thank you, Sarah. I appreciate it. This is St. Louis on the Air on St. Louis Public Radio, 90.7 KWMU. Support comes from Missouri Forest Products Association, committed to sustainable and sound conservation of the state's forests, which support more than 41,000 Missouri jobs, resulting in a $10 billion industry. Choosewood.com.